Section 19 of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott Volume 1 by Robert Falcon Scott This is a LibriVox recording. Section 19 Chapter 9 The Work and the Workers Part 2 Friday, May the 5th, another calm day following a quiet night. Once or twice in the night a light northerly wind soon dying away. The temperature down to minus twelve degrees. What is the meaning of this comparative warmth? As usual in calms, the wind vane hill temperature is three degrees or four degrees higher. It is delightful to contemplate the amount of work which is being done at the station. No one is idle, all hands are full, and one cannot doubt that the labour will be productive of remarkable result. I do not think that there can be any life quite so demonstrative of character as that which we had on these expeditions. One sees a remarkable reassortment of values. Under ordinary conditions it is so easy to carry a point with a little bounce. Self-assertion is a mask which covers many a weakness. As a rule we have neither the time nor the desire to look beneath it, and so it is that commonly we accept people on their own valuation. Here the outward show is nothing. It is the inward purpose that counts. So the gods dwindle, and the humble supplant them. Pretense is useless. One sees Wilson busy with pencil and colour-box, rapidly and steadily adding to his portfolio of charming sketches, and at intervals filling the gaps in his zoological work of discovery times, with all ready and willing to give advice and assistance to others at all times his sound judgment appreciated, and therefore a constant referee. Simpson, master of his craft, untiringly attentive to the working of his numerous self-recording instruments, observing all changes with scientific acumen, doing the work of two observers at least, and yet ever seeking to correlate an expanded scope, so the current meteorological and magnetic observations are taken as never before by polar expeditions. Wright, good-hearted, strong, keen, striving to saturate his mind with the ice-problems of this wonderful region, he has taken the electrical work in hand with all its modern interest of association with radioactivity. Evans, with a clear-minded zeal in his own work, does it with all the success of result which comes from the taking of pains. Therefrom we derive a singularly exact preservation of time, an important consideration to all, but especially necessary for the physical work. Therefrom also, and including more labour, we have an accurate survey of our immediate surroundings, and can trust to possess the correctly mapped results of all surveying data obtained. He has grand for assistant. Taylor's intellect is omnivorous and versatile. His mind is unceasingly active, his grasp wide. Whatever he writes will be of interest, his pen flows well. Debenham's is clearer. Here we have a well-trained, sturdy worker, with a quiet meaning that carries conviction. He realises the conceptions of thoroughness and conscientiousness. To Bowers's practical genius is owed much of the smooth working of our station. He has a natural method, in line with which all arrangements fall, so that expenditure is easily and exactly adjusted to supply and I have the inestimable advantage of knowing the length of time which each of our possessions will last us, and the assurance that there can be no waste. 
Active mind and active body were never more happily blended. It is a restless activity, admitting no idle moments, and ever budding into new forms. So we see the balloons ascending under his guidance, and anon he is away over the flow, tracking the silk thread which held it. Such a task completed, he is away to exercise his pony, and later out again with the dogs, the last typically self-suggested, because for the moment there is no one else to care for these animals. Now, in a similar manner, he is spreading thermometer screens, to get comparative readings with the home station. He is for the open air, seemingly incapable of realising any discomfort from it, and yet his hours within doors spent with equal profit. For he is intent on tracking the problems of sledging food and clothing to their innermost bearings, and is becoming an authority on past records. This will be no small help to me, and one which others never could have given. Adjacent to the physicist's corner of the hut, Atkinson is quietly pursuing the subject of parasites. Already he is in a new world. The laying out of the fish-trap was his action, and the catches are his field of labour. Constantly he comes to ask if I would like to see some new form, and I am taken to see some protozoa or ascidian isolated on the slide-plate of his microscope. The fishes themselves are comparatively new to science. It is strange that their parasites should have been under investigation so soon. Atkinson's bench, with its array of microscopes, test-tubes, spirit-lamps, etc., is next the dark-room, in which Ponting spends the greater part of his life. I would describe him as sustained by artistic enthusiasm. This world of ours is a different one to him than it is to the rest of us. He gauges it by its picturesqueness. His joy is to reproduce its pictures artistically, his grief to fail to do so. No attitude could be happier for the work which he has undertaken, and one cannot doubt its productiveness. I would not imply that he is out of sympathy with the works of others, which is far from being the case, but his energies centre devotedly to the minutiae of his business. Cherry Garrard is another of the open-air, self-effacing, quiet workers. His whole heart is in the life, with profound eagerness to help everyone. One has caught glimpses of him in tight places, sound all through, and pretty hard also. Indoors he is editing our polar journal. Out of doors he is busy making trial-stone huts and blubber-stoves, primarily with a view to the winter journey to Cape Crozier, but incidentally these are instructive experiments for any party which may get into difficulty by being cut off from the home station. It is very well to know how best to use the scant resources that nature provides in these regions, in this connection I have been studying our Arctic library to get details concerning snow-hut building and the implements used for it. Oates's whole heart is in the ponies. He is really devoted to their care, and I believe will produce them in the best possible form for the sledging season. Opening out the stores, installing a blubber-stove, etc., has kept him busy, whilst his satellite, Anton, is ever at work in the stables, an excellent little man. Evans and Crean are repairing sleeping-bags, covering felt boots, and generally working on sledging-kit. In fact, there is no one idle, and no one who has the least prospect of idleness. Saturday, May the 6th. Two more days of calm, interrupted with occasional gusts. Yesterday, Friday evening, Taylor gave an introductory lecture on his remarkably fascinating subject, Modern Physiography. 
these modern physiographers set out to explain the forms of land erosion on broad common-sense lines heedless of geological support they must in consequence have their special language river courses they say are not temporary in the main they are archaic in conjunction with land elevations they have worked through geological cycles perhaps many in each geographical cycle they have advanced from infantile v-shaped forms the courses broaden and deepen the bank slopes reduce in angle as maturer stages are reached until the level of sea surface is more and more nearly approximated in senile stages the river is a broad sluggish stream flowing over a plain with little inequality of level the cycle has formed a peneplain subsequently with fresh elevation a new cycle is commenced so much for the simple case but in fact nearly all cases are modified by unequal elevations due to landslips by variation in hardness of rock etc hence modification in positions of river courses and the fact of different parts of a single river being in different stages of cycle taylor illustrated his explanations with examples the red river canada plain flat though elevated water lies in pools river flows in v infantile form the rhine valley the gorgeous scenery from mines down due to infantile form in recently elevated region the russian plains examples of senility greater complexity in the blue mountains these are undoubtedly earth folds the nepian river flows through an offshoot of a fold the valley being made as the fold was elevated curious valley is made by erosion of hard rock overlying soft river piracy domestic the short circuiting of a meander such as at coo in the ardennes foreign such as shoalhaven river australia stream has captured river landslips have caused the isolation of lake george and altered the watershed of the whole country to the south later on taylor will deal with the effects of ice and lead us to the formation of the scenery of our own region and so we shall have much to discuss sunday may the seventh daylight now is very short one wonders why the hut point party does not come bowers and cherry garrard have set up a thermometer screen containing maximum thermometers and thermographs on the sea floor about three-quarters of a mile northwest of the hut another smaller one is to go on top of the ramp they took the screen out of one of day's bicycle wheel carriages and found it ran very easily over the salty ice where the sledges give so much trouble this vehicle is not easily turned but may be very useful before there is much snowfall yesterday a balloon was sent up and reached a very good height probably two to three miles before the instrument disengaged the balloon went almost straight up and the silk fell in festoons over the rocky part of the cape affording a very difficult clue to follow but whilst bowers was following it atkinson observed the instrument fall a few hundred yards out on the bay it was recovered and gives the first important record of upper air temperature atkinson and crean put out the fish trap in about three fathoms of water off the west beach both yesterday morning and yesterday evening when the trap was raised it contained over forty fish whilst this morning and this evening the catches in the same spot have been from twenty to twenty-five we had fish for breakfast this morning but an even more satisfactory result of the catches has been revealed by atkinson's microscope he had discovered quite a number of new parasites and found work to last quite a long time 
Last night it came to my turn to do night watchman again, so that I should be glad to have a good sleep to-night. Yesterday we had a game of football. It is pleasant to mess about, but the light is failing. Clissold is still producing food novelties. To-night we had Galantine of Seal. It was excellent. Monday, May the 8th, Tuesday, May the ninth. As one of the series of lectures, I gave an outline of my plans for next season, on Monday evening. Everyone was interested, naturally. I could not but hint that, in my opinion, the problem of reaching the pole can be best solved by relying on the ponies and man-haulage. With this sentiment the whole company appeared to be in sympathy. Everyone seems to distrust the dogs when it comes to glacier and summit. I have asked everyone to give thought to the problem, to freely discuss it and bring suggestions to my notice. It's going to be a tough job. That is better realised the more one dives into it. Today, Tuesday, Debenham has been showing me his photographs taken west. With Wrights and Taylors, these will make an extremely interesting series. The ice forms especially, in the region of the Coatless Glacier, are unique. The strait has been frozen over a week. I cannot understand why the Hut Point party doesn't return. The weather continues wonderfully calm, though now looking a little unsettled. Perhaps the unsettled look stops the party, or perhaps it waits for the moon, which will be bright in a day or two. Anyway, I wish it would return, and shall not be free from anxiety till it does. Cherry Garrard is experimenting in stone huts and with blubber fires, all with a view to prolonging the stay at Cape Crozier. Bowers has placed one thermometer screen on the flow about three-quarters out, and another, smaller one, above the ramp. Oddly, the flow temperature seems to agree with that on Windvane Hill, whilst the hut temperature is always four degrees or five degrees colder in calm weather. To complete the records, a thermometer is to be placed in South Bay. Science, the rock foundation of all effort. Wednesday, May the 10th. It has been blowing from the south, twelve to twenty miles per hour since last night. The ice remains fast. The temperature minus twelve degrees to minus nineteen degrees. The party does not come. I went well beyond Inaccessible Island, till Hut Point and Castle Rock appeared beyond Tent Island, that is, well out on the space which was last seen as open water. The ice is nine inches thick, not much for eight or nine days freezing, but it is very solid. The surface wet, but very slippery. I suppose Mears waits for twelve inches in thickness or fears the flow is too slippery for the ponies. Yet I wish he would come. I took a thermometer on my walk to-day. The temperature was minus twelve degrees inside Inaccessible Island, but only minus eight degrees on the sea ice outside. The wind seemed less outside. Coming in under lee of Island and Bergs, I was reminded of the difficulty of finding shelter in these regions. The weather side of the hills seems to afford better shelter than the lee side, as I have remarked elsewhere. May it be in part because all these sides tend to be filled by drift snow, blown and weathered rock debris? There was a good lee under one of the bergs. In one corner the ice sloped out over me, and on either side, forming a sort of grotto. Here the air was absolutely still. Ponting gave us an interesting lecture on Burma, illustrated with fine slides. His descriptive language is florid, but shows the artistic temperament. Bowers and Simpson were able to give personal reminiscences of this land of pagodas, and the discussion led to interesting statements on the religion, art, and education of its people, their philosophic idleness, etc., 
Our lectures are a real success. Friday, May the 12th. Yesterday morning was quiet. Played football in the morning. Wind got up in the afternoon and evening. All day it has been blowing hard, thirty to sixty miles an hour. It has never looked very dark overhead, but a watery cirrus has been in evidence for some time, causing well-marked paraceline. I have not been far from the hut, but had a great fear on one occasion that the ice had gone out in the strait. The wind is dropping this evening, and I have been up to Windvane Hill. I now think the ice has remained fast. There has been astonishingly little drift with the wind, probably due to the fact that there has been so very little snowfall of late. Atkinson is pretty certain that he has isolated a very motile bacterium in the snow. It is probably airborne, and though no bacteria have been found in the air, this may be carried in upper currents and brought down by the snow. If correct, it is an interesting discovery. Tonight Debenham gave a geological lecture. It was elementary. He gave little more than the rough origin and classification of rocks, with a view to making his further lecture better understood. Saturday, May the 13th. The wind dropped about ten last night. This morning it was calm and clear, save for a light misty veil of ice crystals, through which the moon shone with scarce clouded brilliancy, surrounded with bright cruciform halo and white paraceline. Mock moons with prismatic patches of colour appeared in the radiant ring, echoes of the main source of light. Wilson has a charming sketch of this phenomenon. I went to Inaccessible Island and climbed some way up the steep western face, reassured myself concerning the ice. It was evident that there had been no movement in consequence of yesterday's blow. In climbing I had to scramble up some pretty steep rock faces and screens, and held on only in anticipation of gaining the top of the island and an easy descent. Instead of this I came to an impossible overhang cliff of lava, and was forced to descend as I had come up. It was no easy task, and I was glad to get down with only one slip, when I brought myself up with my ice-axe in the nick of time to prevent a fall over a cliff. This island is very steep on all sides. There is only one known place of ascent. It will be interesting to try and find others. After tea, Atkinson came in with the glad tidings that the dog-team were returning from Hut Point. We were soon on the flow to welcome the last remnants of our wintering party. Mears reported everything well, and the ponies not far behind. The dogs were unharnessed and tied up to the chains. They are all looking remarkably fit. Apparently they have given no trouble at all of late. There have not even been any fights. Half an hour later, Day, Lashley, Nelson, Ford and Kean arrived with the two ponies, men and animals in good form. It is a great comfort to have the men and dogs back and a greater to contemplate all the ten ponies comfortably stabled for the winter. Everything seems to depend on these animals. I have not seen the meteorological record brought back, but it appears that the party had had very fine calm weather since we left them, except during the last three days when the wind has been very strong. It is curious that we should only have got one day with wind. I am promised the sea-freezing record to-morrow. Four seals were got on April the 22nd, the day after we left, and others have been killed since, so that there is a plentiful supply of blubber and seal meat at the hut. The rest of the supply seemed to have been pretty well run out. Some more forage had been fetched in from the depot. 
a young sea leopard had been killed on the sea ice near castle rock three days ago this being the second only found in the sound it is a strange fact that none of the returning party seem to greatly appreciate the food luxuries that they have had since their return it would have been the same with us had we not had a day or two in tents before our return it seems more and more certain that a very simple fare is all that is needed here plenty of seal meat flour and fat with tea cocoa and sugar these are the only real requirements for comfortable existence the temperatures at hut point have not been as low as i expected there seems to have been an extraordinary heat wave during the spell of calm recorded since we left the thermometer registering little below zero until the wind came when it fell to minus twenty degrees thus as an exception we have had a fall instead of a rise of temperature with wind the exact inventory of stores at hut point here recorded has no immediate bearing on the history of the expedition but it may be noted as illustrating the care and thoroughness with which all operations were conducted other details as to the carbide consumed in making acetylene gas may be briefly noted the first tin was opened on february the first the second on march the twenty sixth the seventh on may the twentieth the next eight at average interval of nine and a half days sunday may the fourteenth grey and dull in the morning exercised the ponies and held the usual service this morning I gave Wright some notes containing speculations on the amount of ice on the Antarctic continent and on the effects of winter movements in the sea ice. I want to get into his head the larger bearing of the problems which our physical investigations involve. He needs two years here to fully realise these things, and with all his intelligence and energy will produce little unless he has had that extended experience. The sky cleared at noon, and this afternoon I walked over the North Bay to the ice cliffs. Such a very beautiful afternoon and evening. The scene bathed in moonlight, so bright and pure as to be almost golden, a very wonderful scene. At such times the bay seems strangely homely, especially when the eye rests on our camp with the hut and lighted windows. I am very much impressed with the extraordinary and general cordiality of the relations which exist amongst our people. I do not suppose that a statement of the real truth, namely that there is no friction at all, will be credited. It is so generally thought that the many rubs of such a life as this are quietly and purposely sunk in oblivion. With me there is no need to draw a veil. There is nothing to cover. There are no strained relations in this hut, and nothing more emphatically evident than the universally amicable spirit which is shown on all occasions such a state of affairs would be delightfully surprising under any conditions but it is much more so when one remembers the diverse assortment of our company this theme is worthy of expansion to-night oates captain in a smart cavalry regiment has been scrapping over chairs and tables with debenham a young australian student it is a triumph to have collected such men the temperature has been down to minus twenty three degrees the lowest yet recorded here. Doubtless we shall soon get lower, for I find an extraordinary difference between this season, as far as it has gone, and those of 1902-3. to 3. End of chapter 9, part 2